Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So we're in the final week of this series called Simple Significance, and I thought I would tell you exactly what this series is all about. From the very beginning, my dream, my goal, my prayer has been that we would realize that your life, yes, your story, and I know for for you and for me, sometimes the story that we're living seems so simple, seems so mundane, seems so day-to-day, but your story absolutely matters. So we're in the final week of this series called Simple Significance, and I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what this series has been all about. Like from the very beginning, I have this realization and this belief that for every one of us, we live our own lives, we tell our own stories, but there's a tendency for you and for me to kind of look at my life and go, oh, it's just my life. To look at my story and go, oh, it's just my story. But actually your story is incredibly significant. The world desperately needs you and me to tell the great story that we were born to tell. And so my hope and my prayer for even today is that um, God would use what I say to help you and me tell incredible stories. So I wanna talk about the fact that I actually got beat up at morning recess on my first day of grade one by a girl. And I know, I know, I know that it's not exactly politically correct in February of 2021 to tell you that I got beat up by a girl. But I need you to know that back in the day, getting beat up at morning recess of your first day of grade one was a big deal. Getting beat up by a girl at morning recess of your first day of grade one was an even bigger deal. But it should be noted that she was actually in grade two and she outweighed me by a good 50 pounds. Now, I mentioned to you last week that our family moved to Red Deer, Alberta. We lived downtown for a couple years and then we moved out to an acreage out in the country. And I got to tell you, what an amazing place to grow up. I can still remember it. I remember riding my bike on those country roads. I remember the sound that the wind made blowing through the poplar trees. I remember the smell of spring rain on the wheat fields. I remember lying on my back on the grass, listening to the buzzing of the bees and the singing of the birds and wide open spaces and this feeling of unlimited possibilities. You know, autumn on the Canadian prairies is breathtaking. The leaves start to change colors. The wheat fields are all gold getting ready to be harvested and the mornings are just crisp. And it's that backdrop that served as the scene setter for my beginning of grade one. Man, I remember the first day where we lived out in the subdivision. We had to be bussed into a school right in Red Deer. And I remember waiting for the bus on my first day of grade one. My favorite jacket back then was a little white jacket that my mom had bought me with little pictures of bicycles all over it. So I had my favorite jacket on. My mom bought me a lunch kit for grade one. It was a Snoopy lunch kit. It had Snoopy lying on his back on his doghouse. And I just remember standing there, a little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and a Snoopy lunch kit and the highest possible hopes. Now, I don't know exactly what I expected to happen when I got on that school bus on day one. I don't know whether I expected everyone to break out with a round of applause or sing for he's a jolly good fellow or maybe high five me and say, man, we've been waiting for a cool kid like you to start school. Thank goodness you're here. But whatever it is that I had been expecting, uh, I wasn't ready for what did happen. What happened is that the older kids in that school bus decided from minute one of day one that they really didn't like me. And so they set about making my life miserable. And so what happened is I went from being this little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket 
and a Snoopy lunch kit and the highest hopes to a little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and a Snoopy lunch kit and a broken heart. So for every morning after that, I didn't stand there with a sense of expectation. I, I stood there with a sense of dread. It's amazing when you think about it, isn't it? How well you and me remember those moments. We remember those things that were said to us, those things that were done to us way back when. I remember riding on that bus and having middle school girls tell me every day how ugly I was. I remember there were boys on that bus five or 10 years older than me that would threaten to beat me up and often would follow through in their threats. I remember what it felt like to be five years old, to get on the school bus, to sit down, only to have the person that you sat down beside make a big scene of standing up and walking away because they didn't want to sit with you. Now, the morning bus ride sucked, but the afternoon was even worse. Almost every single day back then, I got a migraine headache. And when I had a migraine headache, <clears throat> I got nauseous and I got motion sick and I hated that bus. I, I hated the smell of that bus. I hated the stagnant air on that bus and my head just ached. And what I would do is I would take my forehead and I would lean it up against the cool glass on the side of the school bus. <clears throat> and sometimes I would just lean there and I would cry. And if anyone else on the bus saw the tears rolling down my cheeks, they would laugh at me and they would throw things at me. But truthfully, I barely noticed because my head hurt so much. And I remember getting off that stupid bus at the end of the day and I was so happy. Often I would go home and I would go into my room and I would turn the lights off and I would just lie there until my head ached a little bit less. And when it did, I would go and take advantage of the rest of the day that I had. I would go ride my bike or I would uh, play Atari. Or sometimes, I, I just thought about this this week. One of the things that I spent hours and hours and hours doing is kicking a football. My parents bought me a little stand for the football that I had. And what I would do is I would set up that stand and I would try to kick field goals over top of the swing set that my mom and dad had set up in our front yard. And I would do that for hours. If I made it, I would walk back five yards. And if I missed it, I would go forward five yards and I would just do that for hours and hours. And I remember back in that day, and I bet you you remember this from your life too, man. You could just get so caught up in what you're doing. You weren't worried about that day. You weren't worried about the next morning. I just got into what I was doing. But the next morning I woke up and I would be standing there waiting for the bus again. Bicycle jacket, Snoopy lunch kit, and broken heart. And when I got to school, things weren't much easier. My grade one teacher was Mrs. Riley. And it wasn't long until I figured out that Mrs. Riley didn't really care to have me in her class. She soon labeled me a hyperactive kid, and rightly so. I talked too much, I couldn't sit still, I wasn't good at paying attention. And it became very obvious to me right away that I wasn't gonna be what you would call a teacher's pet. And I know at that point, some of you might be saying, well, who wants to be a teacher's pet anyways? I would suggest to you that we all want to be a teacher's pet, don't we? Like, don't we all want somebody in our life, especially somebody older who we respect, to look at us and say, man, I see something in you. I appreciate something in you. I see, I see gifts in you. I see abilities in you. I, I look past the fidgeting. I look past the talking. I look past your ability or your inability to pay attention. And I see a little boy who's just incredibly eager to please. But that was what Mrs. Riley did. I could tell right away that she would have been much happier had I not been in her class. And that made me sad. I remember December of my grade one year. One day I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I just couldn't wait for the bell to go at the end of school. And so when it went, I ran to the bathroom. 
And I don't know exactly how to say this other than to say I really wasn't feeling well, and so it took me longer in the bathroom than expected. So long, in fact, that when I got out of the bathroom, the buses had already left. Now, that was a bit of a sinking feeling as I watched that final bus kind of pull out of the lot. And at this point, what you're probably thinking is, well, that's a pretty easy fix, Mike. You just walk down to Mrs. Riley's class and you say, hey, Mrs. Riley, it's Mike Manis. You know, I'm the one that can't really sit still. I talk a little bit too much. I don't pay attention. I'm really sorry about that. Anyways, I miss my bus. Or I could have walked straight to the office and said, whoa, <laughs> crazy thing happened when I was using the facilities. It didn't go well, okay? And so the thing is, miss the bus. Could I get a little bit of help? But I actually didn't do that. I wandered around the school for a little while, and then I remember standing beside the office thinking, I should probably do something right now. And I remember standing there looking, and there was a bunch of adults in there, and they were all having a very animated conversation. And one of them glanced at me and then returned back to their conversation. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. This is my problem, and I'm going to solve it. No bus, no problem. No bus, no problem. I'm going to walk home by myself. Now, I checked Google Maps this morning. I found out that uh, we lived about 20 kilometers away from River Glen School. So I was going to make a 20-kilometer trek home in the Canadian prairies during winter as a five-year-old. It doesn't sound really smart. I know, but I really thought I could do it. No bus, no problem. So I walked. And I thought it was so cool. Like, what an adventure, right? I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. I walked on sidewalks through residential streets. I walked through snow. I walked down paths right by the Red Deer River that were completely clear because they were sheltered by evergreen trees. I just kept walking and walking and walking. And I was full of supreme and absolute confidence until I wasn't. See, somewhere along the line, I realized, wait a minute, there's no way I'm going to make it home. Like, I'm not some dog off a homeward bound the incredible journey. Like, I'm, I'm never going to find my way home. And not only do I not really know how to get home, I have no idea how to get back to the school. And at that point, I went from supreme confidence, saying no bus, no problem, to saying, oh, oh, big problem. I had absolute panic. And what I remember doing is actually, I just started running as fast as I could. Until I got tired, then I would walk for a little while, and then I would run as fast as I could, which is a really good move. If you're lost and you have no idea where you're going, just run as fast as you can, because that will help. So I was out for about two and a half hours. And meanwhile, my mom was back home on the acreage, and she noticed that the bus drove by without dropping me off. And so she panicked, and she drove to the school and started driving around and around and around the neighborhood next to the school. And about two and a half hours after school let out, my mom found me. And I was about a block away from the school. That's so weird. A block away. I would really love to see like a little route that I took to get, I had no idea where the school was. I was only a block away, but my mom found me. Now I bring all of that up because I got to tell you, I've been speaking for years. I've been speaking to all different kinds of groups in all different kinds of venues. And every time I speak, I get feedback. And I need to tell you that there is no story that I tell ever that gets more feedback than the story of the little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and the Snoopy lunch kit and the broken heart. The little boy who is so stoked to start school only to have his heart broken. And I know why that is. The reason why I get so much feedback on that story is because you can relate to that story. You've been there. And I got to thinking 
that for you and me at the soul level, at the core of who we are, I mean, there's a big part of us that always feels like we're lost. We always feel like we're wandering far from home. Because at the soul level, at the core of who you are, here's what you know. Home isn't a house. Home isn't a city. Home isn't a neighborhood. Home is safety. Home is belonging. Home is support. Home is unconditional love. And here's the truth. We all feel spiritually sometimes like we're wandering far from home because we don't get those things in this world. We don't get safety. We don't get belonging. We don't get support. We don't get unconditional love. It's like one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, wrote to the first century church. He said, friends, this world is not your home, so don't become too cozy in it. Don't feed your ego at the expense of your soul. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Now, I find that really interesting. This world is not your home. See, I think spiritually we all get that. Like, if home is safety, we've all figured it out by now, right? Like, this world is dangerous. This world often has us feeling fragile and vulnerable, helpless and afraid. If home is belonging, man, there's so often in this world that we just feel isolated, that nobody sees me, nobody knows me, no one cares, no one's watching. If this world is support, Man, how often do we feel like this world tears us down? Isn't it amazing that people like you and people like me, man, we still remember things that people said to us when we were five years old riding that stupid school bus. Isn't it incredible how those scars remain? Those soul level scars take so long to fade. And so we look and we go, man, if, if home is support, this ain't it. And if home is unconditional love, you've probably figured this out. This world is very, very conditional. Like maybe you were raised in a really religious home. And your parents basically taught you that your value, that your acceptance was based on your ability to follow rules, to follow regulations, to dot every I, to cross every T, to make sure you did every do and make sure that you never did every don't. Or maybe it's a little bit different for you you've come to kind of an if-then value statement in your life. Maybe for you it's success. If I succeed, if I win the championship, if I get the promotion, if I get that corner office, then I'm valuable. Or maybe for you it's more materialistic. If I drive a certain kind of car, if I live in a certain kind of house, if I have a certain amount of toys, if I have a bank account that is this size, then I'm important. Or maybe for you, it's kind of all about popularity. Man, if I have this many follows and if I have this many likes and if I have this many shares and I have this much popularity, I'm this much admired, then, 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 then I'll be okay. This world is really conditional. And so there's a part of my, my soul, there's a part of your soul that's still wandering around like five-year-old Mike Manis on the Canadian prairies in December, wandering and lost. And so what I wanna ask you and me today is I wanna ask this very simple question. How do we find home? How do we find home? Because there's another translation of that passage in 1 Peter that says you and me, we're citizens of heaven. That in this world, we're like pilgrims and strangers. Okay, so is the answer then like, well, we're never gonna be 
in a place like home here, spiritually speaking, so we're just going to wait till we die and go to heaven. I don't believe so. I, I believe there is a way that we can find home in this world. I really do believe there's a way that we can get home in this world. And here's how I think we do it. I think there's actually only one way we can do it. I think the only way that we can find home in this world is together. I really think it's the only way. Because it's true that this environment we're living in, this spiritual environment we're living in, this ain't our home. But it's also true that every one of us, we've been adopted into God's family. That we're brothers and sisters, you and me that God is our father and Jesus is our big brother. And so together, 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 we, we can build home right here. See, last week I told you that I think the most dangerous pandemic in our world right now is the pandemic of fear. And one of the key symptoms of that pandemic called fear is actually isolation. And the problem with isolation is, well, there's two problems with it. Number one, it's self-perpetuating. Isolation becomes self-perpetuating. Here's what I mean. We walk through life and there's moments that we're doing well. And we say this, no bus, no problem. I got this, man. I'm fine. I don't need anybody else. I'm going to make it on my own. And we head out. And then all of a sudden, as we're heading out on our own, saying no bus, no problem, we reach that moment where we say, oh, wait a minute. I have no idea where I am. And there's no one around. And so now I panic and I start to sprint and there's no one around and I'm completely in my own panic now and, and, and it continues on and on and on and isolation can become self-perpetuating, but it's also contagious. L let me tell you what I mean. So let's imagine that I'm walking through life and I'm saying, no bus, no problem. And I'm self-reliant and I'm looking after me and I'm absorbed in me. And you might be having an issue over there, but I can't see it because I'm too busy saying, no bus, no problem, no bus, no problem. And maybe eventually you're over there going, well, I guess I'm going it alone too. No bus, no problem. And the person over there, they look to me, but I'm too busy saying, no bus, no problem. Not to mention when we all hit the panic button and go, I have no idea where I am. And we're running and we're panicked and nobody's there for anybody else. And so isolation not only is self-perpetuating, but it's also contagious. So what do we do? Well, I think we need to end the self-perpetuating cycle and we need to stop the spread of this contagious thing called isolation. How? Years ago, there, there was this guy named Philo of Alexandria and he had this quote, you've probably heard it before. He said this, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. I think that's how. I think that's how we end the cycle and I think that's how we stop the spread of isolation. Let me be a little bit more specific. I think, first of all, we need to reach out for kindness. We need to reach out for kindness. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. So we need to be willing to ask for help. When I go back to that story, and I think of little five-year-old Mike Manna standing there watching the buses drive off, I want to walk up to him and go, dude, just go to Mrs. Riley's class. Go to the office. Are you, are you crazy? But no, instead I said, no bus, no problem, until it was a problem. What I want to suggest to you right now is if you're feeling lost, if you feel like you're wandering far from home, you're not supposed to go it alone. You're supposed to ask for help. I was thinking the other day of like all of the favorite moments that I have looking back at my life. Do you know that a majority of them are moments when I was able to help somebody else? So when you actually step up, step up and humble yourself enough to ask for help, you know what you're doing? You're doing the world a favor. You're doing the people around you a favor 
because we're all gonna need help someday and it's such a blessing to be able to help somebody else. So would you humble yourself today and ask for help? I'll give you one way that you can do that right now. You can text us at 604-670-3040. And we would love to give you tangible help right now. We can't fix everything, but you know we want to do something. Wherever you're at right now, if you feel lost, if you feel like you're wandering far from home, man, we would love to help today. But one of the things that I want to warn you about right up front is this. We're going to suggest quite early in the process that you get involved in a group. In fact, if you want to kind of skip the middleman, you can, you can jump straight into a group. You can text the keyword group, G-R-O-U-P, to 604-670-3040. Because here's the thing. We can help tangibly right now, but I know that this isn't going to be the last time that you feel lost or wandering far from home. And I know that when you're in a group, you get help not just for today, not just for this week, not just for this month, but for your entire life. You build these significant, powerful, profound relationships where when you're looking around looking to ask for help, there's people there that can help you. So here's the first thing that we need to do. If we wanna end the cycle, if we wanna stop the spread of isolation, the first thing we need to do is we need to reach out for kindness. Humble yourself, ask for kindness. We all need to do it. The second thing we need to do is we need to reach out with kindness. Man, what an interesting concept. So Philo says this, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Here's the problem, Philo. Here's my problem with that. Here's why it's difficult, Philo. It's difficult because I too am fighting a great battle. And it's so incredibly difficult in the midst of the own, my own great battle to look out and help somebody else that is fighting a great battle. And yet we can. Like, I really think we can. I look back at that story and I think to myself, Man, I guarantee you, Mrs. Riley, I guarantee you that she was fighting some great battles in her life. She might have been fighting battles in her marriage, in her family, financial battles, professional battles, health battles even. I don't know, I was five years old. But you know what I really wish? I really wish that Mrs. Riley would have broken through her own battles and looked at little five-year-old me and looked past the fidgeting and the talking and the lack of attention spanning and I wish she would have saw the little eager to please five-year-old boy, recognized him, had been kind to him. And I know that when I walked up to that office that day when the buses had left, I know the people that were having that intense discussion, they were probably fighting a great battle. Like, like at the risk of being super obvious, can I give you one battle that they were probably going through? One that many of us go through every day of our lives? Too many things to do and too little time. That's a battle. You know what I really wish? I really wish in that moment they would have broke through their great battle and looked at little five-year-old me standing there looking at them and said, hey, little man, what are you doing here? The buses have already left. You know what else I wish? Like, I know the kids that rode the school bus with me, those older kids. I know that they were fighting great battles, fighting great battles at home, fighting great battles in school, fighting great battles in their head. I really wish that they could have fought through those great battles and being kind to little five-year-old Mike Mattis, the little five-year-old boy with a bicycle jacket and the Snoopy lunch kid and the broken heart. But here's the thing. Mrs. Riley isn't my role model. The people at the office aren't my role model. The people that rode those bus all those years ago, they're not my role model. My role model, according to Hebrews chapter 12, is Jesus. It says this, that we should fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and perfecter of our faith. 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Man, that's amazing when you think about it. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went to the cross. He suffered and he died. And just before he went to the cross, he prayed to his father. He said, Father, would you please take this cup from me? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he went through with it. Why? Why would he go through with it? Oh, just for the joy set before him. What's the joy set before him? It's you. It's you. Because he knew that when he died, you would be forgiven. When he died, you would find new and eternal life. He died for you. He looked to you even through his great battle. And so here's what I think you and me should do this week. This week. We should fight through our battles and be kind to the people around us. You remember how I talked about Mrs. Riley? Well, we should try to do a little bit better than she did right? Like if there's someone in your life and they just have these annoying tendencies, they just have these things that just kind of tick you off. And you think to yourself sometimes, man, my life would be a little bit easier if that person wasn't in it. Step through that. Look deeper. Look for the person behind the behaviors, eager to please, so hungry to be encouraged, to have something called out of them and do that. Remember I was talking about the people at the office and they were really busy and they were having an animated conversation. They glanced at me and went back to their conversation. Let's not do that. In fact, I want to make a suggestion to you. When you wake up tomorrow morning, it is very possible that the most important thing that you are going to do with your day tomorrow is going to be an interruption. It is possible that you were placed on this planet for an interruption that will happen later on this week. So that person who interrupts your regular scheduled programming might be the most important thing that you will ever do. Loving them, being kind to them, even though they might be an interruption. And you remember the kids in the bus? Let's do a bit better. Let's be kind to the people around us. Can I take that a step further? Let's defend the people around us. Let's talk well of the people around us. Let's defend them when they're in front of us and let's defend them when they're not around. Let's speak words of life, not death. Let's speak words of hope, not despair. Let's speak words that build up, not words that tear down. I guess what I'm really saying is this. Let's pray this week that Jesus would give us the strength to end the cycle and to stop the spread of isolation. First of all, reaching out for kindness, being humble enough to ask for help. But second of all, reaching out with kindness. Jesus, would you please give us eyes to see people the way that you see them? Would you please give us a heart that cares for people the way that you care for them? And would you please give us hands to help as you have helped us? So as I close today, I guess I just want to return to one thing. That we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't know how you're feeling. I wonder if you're feeling a little bit lost. I wonder if you feel like you're wandering far from home and you, you've been looking for safety. You've been looking for belonging. You've been looking for support. You've been looking for unconditional love. But man, it is so hard to find all of that in this world. I'll tell you where it's all found. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ, the son of God, stepped into human history for you. He lived, died, rose again for you. He was joyful to do it. And so now your next step, your first step back home is this to accept his gift, 
the forgiveness of your sins, the, um, the gift of eternal life because of his death and his resurrection. So man, if today is the day that you wanna take that first step back home, I wanna pray. And I just ask that as I pray aloud that you would pray along with me. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you stepped into human history for me. Thank you that you saw that I was lost. You saw that I was wandering. You saw that I was far from home and you came to bring me a sense of home right here in this world and the promise of eternal life in the home that I was built for, that I was made for. And Jesus, for all of us, for every single person who's watching today, whether it's today or weeks and weeks and weeks from now, God, I pray that we would love each other well, that we would be people who would be humble enough to ask for kindness, and we would also be people who are loving enough to reach out with kindness to the people around us. We love you so much. We're thankful that you have given us that model, that we fix our eyes on you. We model our lives. We model our kindness after you. In your name, amen. Hey, if you're one of the people that just prayed that prayer and invited Jesus into your life for the first time, I'm so stoked. If you could do me a huge favor, I would love it. Could you please take a second right now and just text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. We don't want to stalk you, but here's the thing. How do we find home? How do we find home in this world? There's only one way, and that's together. Man, I, I love you guys so much. It's been amazing. And I want to say, hang in there. You're doing great. It's been 13 hard months, you guys. But you're hanging in there, and you're doing well, and it can't wait. Um, because next week, we're going to start a new series. It's going to be amazing. And for those in the area, it won't be long. We're going to be meeting together again. I can't wait to do it. But I also love the opportunity that we get to be together online every week. See you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.